Church family, it is so good to get to be together this morning. I want to say a big thanks to Darren for stepping in last minute. Uh, Pastor Sean's wife, Christy, tested positive for the virus this weekend. And so they are quarantining and taking care of her. And so Darren stepped in and just a huge thank you to him. This is Pastor Doug's last Sunday to be out with some much-deserved extra vacation. They, he and Lana have served this church family for 20 years, and the church gave them some extra time away to just recharge, and, and that's all good, good stuff. And so you might be praying for them as they'll be headed back and being back here this week. And, and so we're going to, this morning, finish up the book of Proverbs, and we're also going to be finishing up this series we've been going through called This Is How We Family. And so we, this morning, are going to cover an extremely important topic, and it's in Proverbs chapter 31. So if you'll go there in your Bible or your Bible app, Proverbs 31, and as you're, as you're going there, think about this. When, when moving huge sections of earth or breaking rocks apart, construction crews use something special. They use dynamite. And, and this is not the kind of dynamite that we all use when we celebrate holidays, like 4th of July or New Year's Eve or those kinds of things, because we love to use those things. They're a lot of fun, whether we make them explode on the ground, whether we shoot them off into the air, but they're all pretty much surface explosives. And this is what I mean. They're impressive to see, but they really don't alter the landscape in any permanent way. However, when construction crews use dynamite, it's very different. They drill down deep. They strategically place each piece of dynamite and then detonate. And, and you could say they drill and they detonate. And they drill and they detonate. And it is powerful and it alters the landscape. And that is precisely how God uses strong, godly womanhood. God strategically places women in careers, in churches, in marriages, in families, and then powerfully uses their influence, their godly influence, for his glory. The big idea today that we're going to see in Proverbs 31 is that God highly values women and powerfully uses godly womanhood. In fact, at the end of this passage, you'll see that it's said that that should be recognized. That should be spoken of. It even says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, let's read Proverbs 31. We're going to start with verse 1 so we get the full context to see what's going on here. Proverbs 31, this is God's word. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Quick side note here. It might 
be an encouragement to every mother of a son to know that the phrase that you've repeated so many times is repeated three times in the Bible when it says, son, what are you doing? Okay, that's in the Bible three times right here. Okay, let's keep going. Verse three, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes the linen garments and she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength And dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. And this is what he says. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Because charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to come before you right now and we together come before you right now. And we're asking that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would do something supernatural, that you would take your word and apply it into our hearts exactly the ways we need it to this morning. We thank you that it's true. We thank you that it's timeless. In Jesus' name, amen. So you may be thinking, well, isn't, isn't the Bible pretty oppressive toward women? And in modern Western culture, isn't Christianity kind of culturally regressive regarding roles of women. I mean, after all, these are ancient documents from distant cultures. Let's take a look at that. 
as, uh, as Michael Berger said in his article titled, Early Christianity Was Mocked for Welcoming Women, that's exactly right. Early Christianity was mocked for welcoming women. Who? Who, who was doing this mockery? Who was mocking the early church? The Greco-Roman world of the early church, the first and second century A.D., because many in the early church were women serving in influential and heroic roles alongside men. And this was seen as weak to the predominantly male pagan religions, partly because those pagan religions trafficked women as simple prostitutes and did not allow women uh, the testimony of women in court. So you might think, well, what are these heroic roles and influences that they were having in the early church? Things like this. They were being persecuted by the Roman government for being believers. They were hosting churches in their homes. They were caring for the poor and those in prison. They were taking in orphans. They were traveling as missionaries and, wealth, and they were wealthy patrons supporting the church financially. In these ways, they, were, they, they had helpful roles and roles that, were, that God was using powerfully. Well, where does this value and respect for women in Christianity come from? Its founder. I mean, if we look at Jesus, Jesus is being helped and supported by female disciples. And, and he's also giving them due credit for their service, not to mention many other things, but, but right here in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, it says this. So afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, in other words, the twelve disciples slash apostles, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their means. Well, then why does Jesus, the God-man, interact with women in these ways? Because it's just consistent with his character and decrees from the beginning. From almost page one in many of your Bibles, Genesis one twenty seven says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So there's absolutely no distinction in the image of God between male and and female. So, men, while God has given men a few distinct roles of servant leadership within the family and the church, if you are under the delusion that being born male makes you more in the image of God than being born female, well, brother, you're just wrong. And here in Proverbs 31, we have a comprehensive treatment of godly womanhood in various seasons and circumstances 
of life. It's literally an A to Z acrostic in the Hebrew language. If, if, if we saw this in the Hebrew language from verses 10 to 31, it's a Hebrew acrostic where the beginning of each verse starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And that was for a, a memory device, but it was also a way of saying this is a, an A to Z treatment a comprehensive treatment of godly womanhood. This is not just a specific individual woman. This is godly womanhood in general throughout various seasons and circumstances. And that's really important because many godly women who read Proverbs 31 can feel like, okay, this is not even possible. Um, I mean, this person, this woman, I, I can't do this every day. I can't do this every week. I can't do this every month. Like this is not even realistic. Well, that's because it's an A to Z comprehensive treatment. It's talking about seasons of life and, and this, godly, this godly outlook through different seasons. Okay, so this is a woman of virtue as defined by a wife and mother. Because remember back in verse 1, this is an oracle of King Lemuel's mother. And I totally see the wisdom of God in that. Because, because of that, there can't be the objection, well, sure, that's what Solomon would say about this topic. Or that's what King Lemuel would say about godly womanhood. But no, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's what King Lemuel's mother says about godly womanhood. This chapter 31 is the back bookend to this collection of God's Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. You've got chapter 31 as the back bookend. You've got chapter 1 as the front bookend. And it's pretty amazing because you begin to see that in chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is introduced. And in chapter 31, the fear of the Lord is embodied in this woman of virtue. In chapter 1, you see that wisdom is introduced. And in chapter 31, you see that wisdom is embodied in this godly woman. And in a collection of Proverbs originally aimed at instruction for sons, the last word is regarding the strength and dignity of a godly woman. Like Adam in the garden, godly men are insufficient by themselves and need the help of godly women. And that should be seen in the life of a local church. And right here, we see it in the marriage of a man and a woman. So let's take a look at the characteristics of this woman of virtue. Yes, the context here is a wife and mother, but the emphasis is on womanhood across the board. So whether single Married, young, old, this is, this is godly womanhood across the board. Because a lifestyle preaches the most powerful sermon, lecture, or study. Most often, this is the message that sticks. The day-to-day, the week-to-week, the year-to-year, the life-on-life. 
Yes, we should have sermons. We're doing that right now. Yes, we should have studies. These things are right and necessary. But often the, the thing that sticks most, that make, makes the biggest mark on a life is a lifestyle that is observed over time. That brings meaning to the monotony. And let's admit it, the day-to-day can sometimes get very monotonous. But this brings meaning to the monotony. If you were going to summarize what we find here in verses 10 through 31 about godly womanhood, you could use three words possibly. And those are seasons, strength, and servanthood. Seasons, like we just mentioned, meeting various challenges and various seasons. Not all of these things all of the time. Strength, because if your concept of womanhood is to be withdrawn and weak, well, that's not this. Or servanthood, if your concept of womanhood is to be independent and cold, well, this is not that either. We see in this both being assertive and nurturing both domestically skilled and business savvy, beautifully feminine with strength and servanthood. So in verses 10 and verses 30, we see that this kind of character, you can't put a price tag on. Verse 10 shows us that she is far more precious than jewels. Verse 30 says, charm is deceitful, And beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, now that is something solid. That is something meaningful. Uh, Charm, we could say their popularity. And, And vain, we could say fleeting. And so popularity is deceitful and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. In verses 11 and 12, and then again in verse 23, we see that she is trustworthy. Therefore, she's a blessing to those in her life, actively doing good for them. We see throughout this passage that she's diligent and industrious as opposed to lazy. In fact, verse 27 says she does not eat the bread of idleness. Well, how is she diligent? How is she industrious? Let's just walk it through. Verse 13 shows that she finds materials and works willingly on the job at hand. Verse 14, she's like a merchant ship. Just like merchant ships bring good things from far away, she finds and brings good food and resources to her loved ones. Verse 15, she manages and cares for her employees. She's an employer. And she makes sure that her employees are well taken care of. Verse 16, she makes real estate decisions and manages and invests the profits wisely. Verse 17, she has strength of character and body. Verse 18, she is a businesswoman in the marketplace with valuable goods and services. Verse 20, she acts with compassion for the poor and the needy. So as she is 
doing the best she can to manage the things that she has and, and even make a profit as she is collecting these things and gathering these things. She's not just hoarding it for herself or even just for her family. She is gladly generous to those in need with an open hand instead of a closed one. Verse 21 and 22. She has applied herself to the art and science of domestic skills. Verses 18, 21, and 25 show that she plans for the future. In fact, verse 18, the second half of verse 18, for a long time when it says her lamp does not go out at night, for a long time I thought, when does this woman sleep? I mean, we saw earlier that she gets up before dawn, and now we're seeing here that her lamp never goes out. When does she sleep? But it turns out it's probably more likely that that, that the second half of verse 18 is a reference to an ancient Near Eastern uh, custom of, of, if possible, if the resources were there, specifically the resource of oil, was there that families would keep a small oil lamp burning through the night. Not as a, as a big light, but as just a small, almost like a night light. Both for security as well as just comfort um, to the family and the household. But that was only possible if there was oil available and if it had been managed. And, and this is just showing that she has planned ahead and she has managed for these things. So we see this, and then in verse 24 and 25, she's known in the community and the marketplace for strength and dignity. In fact, verse 25 is one of my favorites in this whole passage. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Verse 26 shows that her words are flavored with wisdom and kindness because... She has a mindset of teaching and even discipling. The things that she has learned over the years and through different experiences, she is not just hoarding to herself, but she wants to pour those out into those who are younger in, younger or just younger in the faith. She wants to do that. She wants to pour into them because she has the mindset of a discipler. Verse 28 through 31 shows that those closest to her gladly stand and praise her. No one has to pull it out of them. We, our family saw this firsthand back at the very beginning, right before all of this quarantine started, about a week before that. Um, a, an incredible aunt uh, in our family lost her battle with cancer and passed away. And as we held the service in a tiny uh, town in South Arkansas, almost Louisiana, uh, this is a town that if, that if I said the name, almost no one would probably know it. And this is a town where she and my uncle spent the majority of their life and ministry. But it's also a town where they haven't lived for at least 20 years probably. And, but as we gathered in that little church house, and as it was full of people who had known Aunt Peggy, one after another, after another, after another, just would stand and speak about things that were still making an impact in their life 
from her life. Many of them, you might think, well, that's a, that's a tiny thing. How is that even, how has that made any impact? But it's still being remembered. It's still making an impact because it's often the smallest things that make the biggest impact, isn't it? And we don't even know what they are. Um, but but that's, how it, that's how God is, is, he's drilling and he's detonating. He's drilling and he's detonating. And he is powerfully using godly womanhood to change the landscape. But, but as we did that and as we were there for that service, no one was having to drag that out of people. They were gladly, basically, praising God for the fruit of her life. And as we get to those, those final verses of this chapter, we see just that. To the glory of God, when, when a godly woman is seen and as doing godly things, she should be praised for that. It should be spoken about within the church family as we observe one another's lives and we see that happening the the church family should should recognize that and speak of that to her uh, amongst women as women see each other doing good things for God's glory women should encourage each other but men as well in ways that are healthy and appropriate we should be praising the works of God through godly women. First of all, if you're a husband, towards your wife. For the things that you see in her life and, and you see God using, it should be spoken of. But also from fathers to our daughters and from sons to our mothers and from brothers to our sisters. And now we're back to the brotherhood and sisterhood of Christ and, and the church body again. And, and men, in ways that are healthy and appropriate within the church body, as you see women doing things that are godly for his glory, it should be encouraged. So, this is God drilling and detonating and drilling and detonating. You may be thinking, well, some of this in chapter 31 doesn't sound very spiritual. It sounds very physical, agricultural, financial. But that's just it. We live in a physical world with physical bodies. And it is God who made the world this way. In fact, God made the world both physical and spiritual. Natural and supernatural. He gave you a body and a soul. And we are not to neglect the physical side of life because God doesn't. We are actually called to nurture the physical side of life with wisdom. And as, as we see the, the woman of virtue here in chapter 31, her way of accomplishing tasks on the physical side of life has a spiritual impact on those around her. Kind of like the aroma that filled the room when costly ointment and perfume was poured on Jesus' feet by a transformed woman. Because as you remember that story, everyone in the room, some, some in the room, were, they were impressed. Some, some in the room 
they took note. But some in the room were angered. But everyone noticed. You couldn't help but notice. It couldn't be ignored. And we see here that, that this, this godly woman of, of Proverbs 31, her motivation is singular and sanctified because it's the fear of the Lord. And, and that phrase, the fear of the Lord, it means a combination of two things as we find it in Scripture. It means a combination of reverence towards God and trust in God. Both things. And that is her singular motivation for what is going on here. Because you see, this mention of the fear of the Lord here at the end of, of the chapter is not just a tipping of the hat towards fearing the Lord. It's saying that that's the basis for everything that was just listed. That's, that's the motivation for all these activities and all these characteristics. Because she is in a relationship with the I am. She's in a relationship of generous forgiveness and mercy from God Almighty. Now one last thing on the topic of the physical. Sometimes we overvalue the external. Especially when it comes to womanhood. In human societies throughout history, physical attractiveness has been a premium concern for both males and females, but disproportionately so as it relates to women. This is not new to our social media age, but it is magnified exponentially so. In this passage, think about this, in this passage, the keynote passage of God's word about a woman of virtue Her bodily appearance is never mentioned, not once. However, as you think of this woman in your mind right now, as you think of this woman in your mind, she is probably beautiful to you. That's because her attractiveness comes entirely from her character. And her character comes entirely from her relationship with the Lord. And, and so how does, the, how does this relate to the gospel? Well, if you're a person with kind of a religious mindset, it may be rolling around in the back of your mind. Well, okay, good. Now here's, here's, an, here's another list. And, and if I can just grip my teeth and try harder and do more stuff, then I can be acceptable to God. Okay, that's not the gospel. Or... If you're a person with more of a non-religious mindset and you see something like this and you say, well, phew, well there you go again. I mean, there's, there's no way I can do that. So there's no, I can never live up to that. So I can never make myself acceptable to God. Okay, that's also not the gospel. The gospel tells us that God doesn't choose to love us because we're lovely but to make us lovely. And by lovely, I mean forgiven, set apart, growing in godliness. Because if anyone comes to God, we have to come to him as we are. And we are all dirty sinners with nothing to offer. But if we will believe, if we will repent of sin and believe 
on the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, we can not only be forgiven, we can be made into something new. God doesn't choose to love us because we are lovely, but to make us lovely. And this is precisely what we see with the women disciples in Luke 8 that we read just a minute ago. Jesus had transformed them into new creations as he does the men disciples also. And now they are serving the kingdom of God as women of virtue. This is God drilling and detonating and drilling and detonating. And it is powerful and it changes the landscape. So if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Christ and you are a woman, my prayer is that you see from Proverbs 31 that God highly values women and powerfully uses godly womanhood. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ and you're a man, I hope that you would take heed to the final parts of this chapter that, that you and I should praise the godly women in our life. To the glory of God, we should encourage the godly women in our life. And if you're here this morning and you're realizing, I do need to run to Jesus and put my trust in him, not because I am morally excellent, but because I'm not. We want you to know that today could be your day of salvation. If you will turn uh, in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ as Lord. And if you are wanting to talk with someone about what it means to trust in Christ or the meaning of baptism or church membership or just to have someone pray with you, Randy and Sandy are going to be outside door number two over here. If you're here with us in the room and they are so glad to talk with you, pray with you, meet you where you're at. If you're watching online and you would like to, to talk with someone or pray with someone, we want to ask you to call 405-682-5678 and someone will be there to talk with you and pray with you and meet you where you're at. This morning, I'm going to pray for us and then Jacob's going to to finish us out with a couple of announcements. But let's just ask that God would take his word and, and press it into us into this next week. Father, we come to you right now and we are just acknowledging that you are incredible. Lord, every, absolutely every area of life that we need to know about, you have told us about. We thank you for your word. We see it as a treasure. You didn't have to give it to us, but you did. Lord, most of all, we thank you for Jesus. You didn't have to give him to us, but you did. And Lord, I I do pray that you would take your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would press it into our hearts and that you would change the way we think and the way we act throughout this week. I pray that you would encourage uh, Christian women Lord, and the ways that you are using them that maybe sometimes hardly anybody ever sees. But Lord, help them to know you see. And Lord, I do pray that as people see that they would encourage that godly womanhood. And Lord, I pray that you would just, you would just move us through this week by your power 
in your direction. In Jesus' name, amen.